But I think people like me, and I'm guessing there's other people out there like me that they get hung up on the words of like work, you know, you got to put the work in. They're like, what does that mean? I mean, for a guy, work is like, what, do I dig? Do I Mm. I like building something? Like Mm. I need to be work. Work is like something physical. Productive. Right. And like emotional work isn't productive work. It's... And yet, it's underlying and it's impacting every aspect of our lives. And unless Mm. and until we are willing to really confront and look at what unconscious patterns are running in the background. And they look different for each person. Like my issues are different from your issues, but we can still have a conversation about making the unconscious more and more conscious. And it's a process like with so much in life, there's no destination. It's like an upward spiral of growth. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Okay, Diane. Hey, Al. This is episode 29, Mm -hmm. Through the Dark Wood by James Hollis. We've referenced this book before. Yep. I've listened to it multiple times. You're making your way through it, I know. Yeah, it's a long one and it's heavy content. It's not light reading. Yeah, it's dense. Mm -hmm. I always compare it to like Shakespeare. It's like you could read a paragraph and just spend like a whole afternoon just contemplating that paragraph. Yep. And then we had a post that talks about the same sort of things, making the unconscious conscious. Yeah, they marry very well together. Yeah, James Hollis in this book talks about the second half of life. So that's kind of what the book's about. Through the Dark Wood is basically a reference to Dante's Inferno. Mm. There's a quote, I guess, in Dante's Inferno that talks about Mm. kind of going through the dark moments or the dark nights of the soul. It reminds me of the Taylor Swift song, Out of the Woods. Out of the woods. So, yeah, and, I think you said that before. Yeah, and then her in the video, at the very end of it, there's a line that says, in the end, she lost him, but she found herself, and that was everything. Pretty much how it was for me. Yeah, and he talks about, so the first half of life, so, so since he's talking about the second half through the dark wood, mm-hmm. he describes the first half of life as finding where you fit in the world, accomplishing what, society thinks you should accomplish, what your family thinks you should accomplish. Mm-hmm. Just sort of navigating this uncharted territory because you've never been through it. It's the first half of your life. Yeah. And then contrasting that with the second half where you've done all that. You're not chasing, hopefully, you know, you're not chasing material things and just trying to like please other people or living other people's storylines. And you're kind of finding your own claim in the world. And you're also at the point where you realize that you are kind of getting towards the second half of your life. We're not living until 120. Well, and do I want to keep doing things the way that I've always done them? You know, there comes a point of 
just really questioning, well, do I want to keep repeating the same patterns perpetually? And, and the patterns that are so unconscious, and we talked about the analogy of the iceberg, the unconscious mind is 90%. You know, we're only conscious of about 10%. The unconscious is what's steering the ship. And unless and until we are willing to really confront and illuminate the darkness that's running in the background, childhood wounds, unhealthy patterns, relationship, career, where are we not conscious of what's driving our lives? And apparently 90% of what we're not conscious of. And so it's a slow process. So then now you have to like dig into that 90%, uncover... Illuminate. What's going on in the backgrounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know we talk in these kind of, not generalities, but we talk about these concepts and they might seem vague to people. So I want to kind of give some examples of what we mean Mm -hmm. by this unconscious 90% under the surface. Mm -hmm. So for me, and for I think a lot of men in our society, it's we live in in a somewhat violent world. That doesn't mean like, you know, people are shooting at us or that we're constantly getting into physical altercations, but there's this underlying thing, especially when you grow up as a boy, mm-hmm. whether it's schoolyard, neighborhood, there's kind of like this male on male violence that goes on. Yeah. So every man is kind of sort of posturing up or protecting himself, afraid of humiliation, guarded and becomes like this person that's just... You don't want to be humiliated. You want to show that you're tough to impress people. Mm. Again, that's even more, that's general as well. Personal stories for me were like, yeah, a little kid getting into a fight or just getting into physical altercations that stem from maybe like my dad was yelling at me as a kid and I felt like this terror, this fear of my father. Mm. And just that feeling comes back up like with a neighborhood kid or at school in a fight and you start to like get that feeling wired into your body. Mm-hmm. And now it could be as simple as somebody cut you off on the road. Bam, that feeling comes back up or... You know, I, <laughs> women have that too. I told you. Oh, like that's kind of why I mentioned that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's one women can relate to. Yeah. But then you start to realize all the different buttons that are being pressed as an adult. And you're like, that's the same damn feeling I felt like when I was 12 years old. Yep. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. it's there, it's under the surface. If you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. Right. But then you start realizing like, oh, all right. So that's why that's happening. That's the pattern. Yeah. That's the broken record. Yeah. And so when you talk about that iceberg analogy, I always think the unconscious is steering and we're like oblivious to it for the most part. We're just along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. And how much confidence in this world are you going to have when you're oblivious to what's steering the ship? the ship of your life. <laughs> so if you're oblivious to it, then you're just getting kicked around. You're, you're being manipulated. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good feeling. No. I think most human beings want some sense of control. Some sort of agency. Agency. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's just a human trait that you know makes us feel confident about our lives, that we have to have some sense of control over what we're doing and how we're reacting. So otherwise, you're just completely at the whim of circumstance, right? Well, a lot of people live their entire lives just asleep and mm-hmm. completely unaware of the unconscious patterns that are running in the background. And at least for me, I've seen so many people go from one bad relationship 
to another. And like, you're just playing out the same patterns that unless and until you start becoming more conscious of them, they're just running in the background and they're impacting your life experience. Yeah. Well, and it gets into the whole idea of addictions. Mm. This is what James Hollis kind of, I don't know if he came up with like the comparison, but he calls addictions anxiety management systems. We all have them mm-hmm. in some form or another. Yep. Social media, I mean, on the bad end is like, you know, what? Heroin, cocaine, you know. Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol. Huh. They serve a purpose and they actually are effective at what they do until You're they're not. Getting some benefit from it. It's just where does it cross the line into being harmful Yeah, and detrimental? But it's the idea behind an addiction is that it's helping you manage anxiety. Like it's helping you... Because we're all anxious. Like, (laughs) Yeah, you're just not feeling centered. You're feeling like revved up. You want something to take the edge off, right? Right. That's where it starts. Have a little coffee, have a little wine, have a pill. Take the edge off a little bit. I guess coffee wouldn't do it. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's more of like also the ritual of it. It's not so much all chemical. A lot of it's ritual. Well, right? they're habits. Yeah. You know, like I'm nonverbal before coffee. Like, do not speak to me in the morning. Mm-hmm. It becomes this routine. And then you just perpetuating the same behavior out of habit. I think sometimes we associate the habit or the addiction with the actual chemical substance. Like for coffee, it'd be caffeine. Yeah. We don't think of like the whole ritual that leads up to it, like the making of the coffee, smelling coffee, yeah. having your mug with you. Like with smokers, it's the same deal. Mm. We say it's nicotine. Nicotine is the most addictive substance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with they go outside, they take a deep breath, they're with their friends. It's everything that goes into that experience. Mm-hmm. I would say most of it is outside of the nicotine. It's just, yeah, that's when I get to take a break from life. Yeah, and there's a social component to it, too. Yeah, I get to get out of my head and just get social, right? Yeah. Drinking, too. Drinking alcohol. I mean, think about that. Our whole entire society is... You go out for drinks, right? I miss going out for drinks. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, these addictions, we always think of addiction as like that intervention kind of... Yeah. So he's like the cheerleader who was like the prom queen and she was this and she was that. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you fast forward 10 years, she's like in the street, she's a hooker and she's like she's trying to get her kids that from like three different men. Yeah. She's robbed the whole family of everything they have. And, you know, it's just been this nonstop thing. We all knew those people. Like, heights. that's what we think of addiction. But I'm like, yeah, that is. That's like the worst case <laughs> scenario. Uh, you know, but addiction is like anything. It could be watching too much TV. Yeah. It could be obviously social media. We talk about a lot, the constant distraction, right? So, I mean, you could easily just go back to Facebook and be one of us freaking pawns out there that is just, you know, mesmerized and like, let me check my feed. I'm like, what are you checking? You're checking the lives of people you haven't seen in 30 years. Right. Who cares? You spend an hour doing that? Like, again, I, it sounds so cliche, but like... I know. I recently just got on Facebook again under a pseudo account and then I deleted it. I'm like, okay, the training's done. I'm off again. It just... Oh, it took me like several years. I'm just like, I, I can't. 
But that speaks to the fact that I very intentionally took a lot of very not comfortable time, but really self-reflecting and looking at my own unconscious patterns mm-hmm. because I didn't want to just jump back into like my marriage was so bad. I didn't want to just jump into another bad relationship. And it really took me a lot of time confronting the things and the patterns that were running in the background that I wasn't consciously aware of until I started looking for them. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. Like you need time to do that. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Sometimes you need to just cry on the kitchen floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> teach, teach men that, please. You should give a Not course that on that I've for men. Done that. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen often. But that's the thing. When we talked about the self-help industry, and we we're talking about how they don't talk about feeling through things. Or allowing yourself to feel the feelings and the quote-unquote negative emotions. We all experience anger. We all experience anxiety. We all experience fear. We all experience sometimes rage. And allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to just feel the feelings... I think women are more naturally inclined to allow ourselves that permission. Mm-hmm. But men have feelings too. Like men are not without emotion. I wouldn't say it's ever comfortable, but it's healing for sure. Men don't know what that looks like. Really? Yeah. Let me give you the concept. Well, this is kind of like part of what James Hollis says, and it's the section you're on in the book that really kind of... I was listening to it this morning. So Through the Dark Wood, James Hollis gets to a section in the book where he talks about... And he's talking to women. He's like, women, I'm just going to spend this section of the book just explaining to you the average experience of a normal man in our society. Mm. And he goes through this whole thing. I don't want to butcher it, but what I got out of it was... He basically says, well, women, just imagine like any support network you have in your life. The people that you talk to yeah. about relationships, about your body, about your community, about your kids, mm-hmm. strip all that away. You no longer have that. You're not going to talk to anybody like that. Yeah. Now, everything that you do in this world will be based on your productivity as a producer, as somebody that provides. Mm-hmm. And that's where society will judge you from this point on. Yeah. And he goes through a couple of other things and then he basically sums it up that Now that I've explained what this is, that's basically what the average male in our society Mm. lives with on a day-to-day basis. He has no support network. He doesn't have friends that he's talking to about psychological things, emotional things, you know. Feelings. Kids. I mean, surfacey. Men are like, it's acceptable to talk about surfacey shit in our society. Mm -hmm. It's not acceptable to talk about deeper stuff. People turn off to that. If you're not talking about fantasy football or oh God. whatever, Ugh. I don't know, stock market, money, like just weather, that's what men, for the most part, they didn't never knew they were allowed to talk about other things. I got lucky enough to have friends when I was younger that we would talk about more substantial, mm. more int- introspective. introspective type. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of get a little bit lucky in that, but it's still a struggle because I can't do that with the average man that I'd meet. I'm not starting the conversation like, how are you doing psychologically today? And how, <laughs> how's your emotional state? Yeah. What are your childhood traumas? <laughs> Men don't lead with that? Talk to me. Yeah. Tell me more. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll get back to fantasy football, but let's start with your emotional traumas. <laughs> <laughs> how are you wounded as a child? Oh God. Yeah. So it's not talked about. And then a whole entire 
industry of quote unquote self-help. Yeah, it used to be called psychology, but now it's just the broad term. I don't like those words. I don't either. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why we don't like it is because it doesn't talk about the dark side. It only talks about here's an affirmation for you. Yes. Positive thinking. Oh, you're feeling down? <laughs> like seriously? Yeah. It's like have some coffee get motivated, hit the walls, jump up and down. Like it's more of this external kind of like positive, positive, like fake it till you make it. And it's right in the word self-help, like you're helping yourself. Mm. Isn't helping yourself also illuminating the The unconscious dark patterns? Yeah. The unconscious. Maybe it wasn't James Hollis. Maybe this is a quote from Carl Jung, but he says, quote unquote, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, mm. but by making the darkness conscious. Mm. I love that. The first part of that is self-help. Enlightening yourself by imagining figures of light. That's like pumping yourself up. Right, being self-light. Like. Let's ignore all the shit that's, you know, that 90% of the surface that's... Running in the background unconsciously. Mm. Yeah. It's not comfortable. Like Doing this sort of work is... And that's why a lot of people don't do it is because it's not comfortable. And I think when you say like they don't do this work, I think a lot of people don't know what that work really is. I'm one of those people. I'm struggling with the idea of like, what does that work look like? Does that mean sitting in a room and just continually thinking about these thoughts? Does it mean meditation? Does it mean journaling? Journaling. I Maybe it's a combination of things, right? So I find that the biggest leaps I make are... Mm-hmm. When you get in some sort of zone where you're releasing, you know, contemplative, yeah, and, it could, and it's maybe it's different for everybody. Maybe in some, it can look different. It, playing music, writing, creative. Yeah, for me, journaling was huge. Yeah, for me, it's physical fitness, and I watch. Yeah, you know these ridiculous races where people are running a hundred miles in one race. Extreme sports. Yeah, like ultimate running or um, endurance running. What do they call it? ultra marathons, that kind of thing, where they're literally running yeah, for yeah. over 24 hours. Whew, you can have it. I mean, talking about running and like trying to squash those demons, why would you run for 24 hours straight where your legs are breaking down? It's, three, it's four marathons. Mm-hmm. But people do it all the time. And on the other side of that 100 miles, something happens. Something happened in that 24 hours mm. that they couldn't get in a different way. Just like you get something from journaling, Mm -hmm. they're getting something from pushing themselves to such an extreme. They're getting some benefit out of it. And maybe that's them working through it. Otherwise, why would you do it? If you're not getting some benefit out of doing anything. Right. But I think people like me, and I'm guessing there's other people out there like me, that they get hung up on the words of like work. You know, you got to put the work in. They're like, what does that mean? I mean, for a guy, work is like, what, do I dig? Do I, Mm. I, like, building something? Like, Mm. I need to be work. Work is, like, something physical. Productive. Right. And, like, emotional work isn't productive work. It's... And yet, it's underlying and it's impacting every aspect of our lives. And unless Mm. and until we are willing to really confront and look at what unconscious patterns are running in the background. And they look different for each person. Like my issues are different from your issues, but we can still have conversation about making the unconscious more and more conscious. And it's a process like with so much in life, there's no destination. 
it's like an upward spiral of growth is the way I described it. Mm -hmm. Healing is just, it's not linear. There's, there's no destination. And that's part of the most frustrating aspect for me. Cause I'm like, just let me get to the goal. Yes. Again, that was one of the cool parts of through the dark wood. He talks about how destination isn't like, I got this thing. I checked that Here's the destination. I'm done. <laughs> I'll never think about that again. It'll never bother me again. It's more circular. And he said, yes. at best it's spiral. Like you're progressing, but yes. you're coming back around to it repeatedly in your life. And ideally you get better and better at recognizing what things are coming up. Yeah. So like I'll notice my own triggers and I'll be like, Oh shit. There's that again. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the idea like you're not looking at where you came from. Like maybe 20 years ago, you were a lot worse. And like you said, like it's spiraling. I was a lot more reckless 20 years ago than I am now. Right. But it's still something that comes up. It's just... Road rage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People are just angry right now. They don't have as many outlets. They don't have as many modes of distraction as they once did. Now they're home. With people with sometimes they don't want to be with. That, yeah, that they enjoyed going to work. You know, they enjoyed that separation. Imagine people that traveled for work. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they're like gone two weeks a month. Like some people rely on that stuff. Yeah. I have this two week period where I know I'm going to be away. Now, like they're home 100% of the time. I had rent in a car recently and it was, it was turning into the airport. Oh, it was a ghost town. Yeah. There were like three people there. It was just jarring. Yeah. Because it was so different. Like Charlotte is a very busy airport. It's one of the busiest airports in the country. Everyone's gone. Mm -hmm. It's creepy. I mean, in one way, I'm really excited to see what happens from this. I'm really excited to be a couple of years out looking back on this. Like, wow. Like, that's what this... Yeah. Remember 2020? And that's what (laughs) this... But that's what maybe also looking back on it, like that's what we needed. Everybody was getting so damn distracted. Their whole life was just all about distraction. Now, like you, you've said many times in this podcast, we've all, you know, God put us back in our room. We've been or sent to our rooms. Been sent to our rooms. <laughs> like think about what you've done. Think about what you've done. Think about how you've been treating the planet. Just really consider. Maybe it was like some sort of forced uncovering Reset. the unconscious, right? Mm, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Because we've like, think about that 10%, mm. all the distraction, all the work, all the moving and traveling and doing this and like going to restaurants, go, that's the 10%. That's your conscious, right? You're mm. doing, 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 doing productive. Then the 90% that nobody's focusing on, now you're sent to your room. Yeah. You go, you got some time to focus what on your you own. you think conscious. about what you've done? <laughs> <laughs> Don't come out until you've, yeah. Yeah. People would run a hundred miles rather than, sit in a room by themselves with their thoughts yeah yeah my mind is a very scary place but we've talked about it for some people it's a very peaceful place you know like i don't know many people like that a very seasoned meditator would be very comfortable sitting in a retreat for two weeks in their own brain without talking to anyone sitting in silence i wouldn't i mean i heard i mean i hear from just people that have experienced even shorter retreats go to a silent retreat for three days after you've never done something like that. Oh God. Like they say by day two, they're sweating through their shirts, just sitting there. How I always thought that was such a weird visual. Yeah. Such a weird visual to see like that guy's just sitting on a pillow 
He's got his hands folded in his hands. Right. He's not doing anything. It's not hot, but he's dripping wet. Like your, your brain is just like closing in on itself. And you got nowhere to go. And like you can't get out of that thought loop. And you just, you start to realize how crazy your monkey brain is. Yes. When you're forced to be silent. When you're forced to sit still. Yeah, you're forced to not have distraction. Because think about it. Think of how many times a day, even us, like, you know, well, let me just check my phone for a second here. And then check my email. Let me check the weather. Let me check this. Let me get on this app and that. Just for what reason, except to use it as an anxiety management system. Mm-hmm. Feel a little bit of it. Oh, let me check that. I got to check that. Why? To run away from the unconscious. <laughs> I think I've shared with you before that I am perpetually appreciative that Facebook did not exist while I was in college. We both talked about, oh, man. I mean, that's like... Yeah, I did some things. I'm that, embarrassed by pictures. Just pictures from college. Yeah. I'm embarrassed by Imagine having like full length video. I can't imagine being a child growing up in today's society. Documented. And then you probably see this with your daughter. Yep. They're growing up with technology in their hands. I didn't have a cell phone until I was in college. Yeah. And kids today are like, yeah. Do you need an IT expert? Ask a 10 year old. Like 10 years old. From 10 years old on, they get a phone. Oh, yeah. I, trying. To really be practical mm-hmm. about what this work means to you, I think is a good first step. That's I feel like that's the step I'm at. I'm trying to realize like, all right, I know what I've done in the past and I know which patterns have been, again, like those anxiety management systems of just trying to like distract myself. Mm-hmm. Now that I know that, like what are the ones that actually have helped and have opened up? Where do I want to shift and how do I want to change? Right. And which ones that are uncovering that unconscious 90% and illuminating it. And I know a big part of it is definitely exercise. Mm -hmm. I definitely thinking about taking up journaling too, because I know that's got to be very... Therapeutic. Therapeutic and just, yeah, that's got to feel good just to get your thoughts out of your head. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm starting to realize all the ones that I'm doing unconsciously, like just the patterns. And then... Just knowing what that work is, because I've heard that so much, not only in the self-help industry, but just like in therapy and, you know, yeah. you got to do that internal work. You got to do it. What does that mean? Please. Like we should write a book on just that. What does internal work look like? Because a guy doesn't know what that is. Maybe women are more intuitive as far as knowing what that means. Perhaps. Um, but a dude does not know how to do that. For men. Yeah. We're like using caveman style tools to deal with something that needs, you know, surgical precision. Mm. For instance, like we'll do like crazy, like try to climb Mount Everest or mm. just do extreme things to kind of mm-hmm. break that barrier to let our guard down to experience something that we haven't experienced. Where I think women don't need, again, generalities here, but women don't really need that kind of, they don't use such a blunt freaking tool. Yes. They can express more naturally. They're allowed to. They're given permission in our society to do that. Right. For the most part. And then men are not often given permission to just feel. We both come at it from two different places trying to end at the same sort of destination area Mm -hmm. where... You know, you're coming from a place where you want to be bigger. You want to, why am I being small? Uh, Right. But even to make it even more simple than that and to put it in context with what women do. So women want to expand and be bigger and live bigger. 
men were always told that they have to be bigger, like be bigger than life, make more, produce more, do this. And then when you get to that second half of life, you start to realize like that was the wrong ladder I was climbing. Like I don't want to be bigger. Like actually it's going to help me to be smaller. Like stop being so grandiose. Sometimes just, just sit on the kitchen floor and cry. It's really... God, I wish I... Yeah. Yeah, it's liberating. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't sound like I do this often. I mean, it's And it doesn't solve everything, right? It's not like, you know, it helps. It just... The form of release of the emotion mm-hmm. of whatever I'm feeling, just allowing myself to feel, to feel sad, to just allow myself to feel the, the sense of loss. And not immediately jump to distraction when you're feeling, or when that feeling comes up. Or numbing it. Not immediately stuffing it down, you know, immediately numbing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like anesthetizing it. Like 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been as able to hold space for myself. You know, you talk about I hold space very easily for other people Mm. and allowing myself to hold space for myself to feel. And that's something that I've had to really learn over time and lean into. I think for men, there's a stigma behind doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's not only just the emotions. It's also like, I mean, you could even think of like mental illness, like that. how there's such a stigma behind that. Like any sign of like, quote unquote, weakness. weakness. Mm-hmm. And just for whatever reason, I don't know how emotions got such a bad rap, but it seems to me going into my second half of life, mm-hmm. the people that could express and feel their emotions are the strongest. But like I had it backwards. I think most men have it backwards. Yeah. So we, for whatever reason, in our patriarchal society, we think that men that don't show emotion, don't show this, are always tough. I have a hard outer shell. They're the strongest. They're the strongest. Yeah. And they're not. Like, whoa, when I meet somebody that has been through the ringer of life and has come out on the other side is still kind of smiling and still has a positive attitude. <laughs> those are the people that are like, that's the shit. Like, that's, that's it. Like, that's what I... That's true strength. Yeah. Yeah, have your fucking upper jaw shattered and navigate that shit. Well, there you go. Did you have your mouth wired? No. You didn't. No, I had braces. I had put braces. Braces to hold it together. Metal braces on my upper and lower jaw, like holding everything in place. Wow. I was out with friends and it physically hurt me to laugh, but I didn't care because I was like the healing power of laughter. I'm like, I don't care. I'll stab myself in the mouth. Like it, mm. it was just unreal. Like I could write a book about it. It'll be in my second memoir, I think. Hey. It's getting off a little bit off topic, but I've had to, I have to ask you this and I haven't asked you this. Uh-huh. How do you wrap your head around just the, the sheer, just unreality? Well, unreality, but like this and the randomness and like, just the, mm-hmm. why? Like what the, it just out of nowhere. Like, it's like a random thing. Like, how do you wrap your head around? Oh, like I could have literally left 10 seconds earlier or 10, 10 seconds later. And not cross paths with this individual. I don't know that you do wrap your mind around it. No. From the beginning, it was just like, well, it happened. I mean, what am I going to argue about it? Mm -hmm. It is what it is. I can't change it. Me arguing about it is not going to change what happened. Right. Like, it just happened. It was random. It was violent. It was awful. 
I don't recommend navigating having a broken jaw, but what am I going to do? Yeah, I would think the physical trauma, as bad as it was, had nothing to do. Nothing compared to the emotional, emotional. and the psychological, just the read like playing of why. So I still get triggered yeah. when I'm out. and I mean, that makes perfect sense. What am I going to stop showing up for my life? And from the very beginning, people were shocked. Like three weeks, maybe a month after it happened, I went to a, a local business event and multiple people were just shocked. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, am I supposed to just curl up and lie in bed? Yeah. I just was surprised. I'm like, why would I stop showing up for my life? Mm. Today, I'm, I'm still much more aware of my surroundings. And so I'm very aware of who's around me. Like hyper aware. Yes. And even like when people approach me too quickly, I'll like pull back. Yeah. Survival, right? Self-defense, survival mechanism. Mm Self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah. But it kind of goes into that unconscious thing, you know, where again, like now that's something, it's a new one. There's going to be triggers, right? Ongoing. And that circular thing or the spiral. Spiral. You don't get Mm -hmm. rid of that. That doesn't, you don't one day get over it. Handling is such a process. Yeah, but I'm, I'm conscious of it. I'm yeah. aware of my behavior. Doesn't mean you don't fall back into bad patterns. I mean, everybody does. That, that's what I mean. Everybody has bad moments sure. and bad days and or more challenging, not bad, more challenging days. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big mm-hmm. part of like the second half of life too, is like knowing that you will at times revert to those old patterns that you'll fall back into. And yeah. not beating yourself up over it. The worst part of it is not that you did it. It's now, now that you're going to... Now you're beating yourself up. Yeah. Now you're just incriminating yeah. yourself and just, yeah, being conscious of... Becoming more and more conscious is the goal. Yes. Comes back to awareness. hmm Well, all right. Well, we can talk about this stuff forever. We could talk, we could talk all day long. Yeah. Making the unconscious conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was that was episode 29. It if there was one book I could recommend at this point. I mean there's a lot of books I like and would recommend, but Well, you shared it with me and I didn't pick it up immediately and then as soon as I started reading it, human oh psychology God. just started devouring it. Like I that's It's just up. so well thought out and it's And he's a therapist. He is a therapist, PhD, mm-hmm. and just a very well spoken and knows how to put his thoughts together well. Mm-hmm. And very easy for like the lay person to understand, I think. But heavy too, like deep. We just lean into that stuff. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. All day long. I could consume that content all day long. Yeah, because as you're listening to it, you're like, yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. <laughs> I'm literally sitting there listening to it and I'm not my neighbors listening. I'm crazy because I'm like nodding and nodding yeah. and like, mm-hmm. And you can get the audio version on Audible. You can get it on our website too. It's in the link in the posts. So yeah, follow us at fa.confessions.com. His name is James Hollis, PhD. Mm-hmm. Through the Dark Woods is book, and that was the post. So. I like that. I just like that title too. Yeah, There's something about that title. Yeah, that I like. Well, it's kind of like that idea of you know the dark night of the soul through the dark woods, uh-huh. like these dark uh-huh. kind of things that. Yeah, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, people. It's yep, you got to go into the dark night, mm-hmm. but if you want really want to grow and progress. Yeah. And become more and more conscious. 
Um, yep, you're gonna have to go with that. I can't end it there. It's got there's one more point that just came up in my mind about this book that I have to talk about. So he talks about how when back, you know, before our generation, before the millennials, before more like from World War II before and before, mm-hmm. when you were a 12 or 13 or 14 year old boy or girl, oh, yes. that yes. there would be some sort of initiation into becoming like a ritual. A ritual. And he would call it like, as far as like, there'd be a kidnapping. There would be like, you'd be thrown out in the woods by yourself for a week's time. There was something that happened. Have your ear knots or like your, like some sort of physical trauma that was a rite of passage. It was a rite of passage. And there was a little turning point in the child's life where they went from child to adults, Mm -hmm. where they felt like they were able to protect themselves. They were able to be self-sufficient and Mm -hmm. self-reliant which we don't have anymore in our society. Right. That's completely gone. It's again, we don't do that. If anything, it's the opposite, right? We're basically doing everything we can to protect and shield and comfort and And coddle. Yeah. It's another book we're going to cover. Coddling of the American Mind is a book that I read that was fantastic about that. But I, I, I thought a lot about that. And he talks how a lot of these unconscious patterns come from this idea that we never were initiated into our society. We never mm-hmm. had that full sense of that self-reliance, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of always struggling with that, you know? We're always struggling with feeling like we're not good enough and we're not strong enough and we're not worthy of... Worthy. Yeah. I'm not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. So yeah, that was one of the, yeah, another really cool point that he brings up is that, you know, our current culture does not have that because we look at that as like almost barbaric. Right. Kidnap a kid. And, you know, like the Aborigines would let the, they would call it, uh, what do they call it? Like the walkabout. A walkabout. Oh, yeah. Australian Aborigines, they'd send the kid off at 13, just Mm -hmm. freaking into the outback. And like, here you go, kid. See you in two weeks or whatever it was, you know. And then the kid would come back after two weeks of fending for himself overnight out in the middle of nowhere. Parents today are wrapping their kids in bubble. <laughs> right. I mean... And, st- and still don't let them outside with the bubble wrap on. Yeah. It is that way. Bubble wrap is perfect. That's the perfect description. That kind of uh, doesn't sum it no. up. It does not sum up that book. So go out and get that book. Yeah. It's, it's a really, really good book. So that was episode 29. Next week is episode 30. And we're going to say it's our one year anniversary. Yeah, we're going to celebrate. It's our at least the same month. It's not to the date, but it's the month. I don't remember what the exact date was, but it was June. It was June. June 19, when the world was open. Back when we could meet at coffee shops and have conversations with people. Before masks. Mm. Yeah, I figured next week we'll just kind of go back through how everything started. The last year in summary. <laughs> the year in review. <laughs> the year in review ending with 2020. So come, yeah, come visit us, FA Confessions, like, subscribe, share, comment, review. Yeah, it was fun, Diane. Always a pleasure. We'll see you next week. Yeah. For our one year anniversary. <laughs> Bye. See you next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>